I always enjoy speaking to property managers about how they got into the business, how their business is growing, what tech they're using, where they find their owners and their guests, and generally what makes them passionate about the business. And today I'm talking to Bruce Eichelheimer of Banjo Vacations. Great conversation, so join in. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and once again, I bring you an interview with a property manager, somebody who's been around the business for just a few years now, but is really making inroads and is creating great success and projecting to some really good growth over the next few years. I love doing this. I love talking to property managers as they're in this growth phase, because even though it's 19 years ago or nearly 20 years ago when I started in the business, it doesn't seem like any time at all. And I do recall how different it was back then that we didn't have this network of amazing people who help out if you have a question. And I came across Bruce Eichelheimer because he was asking questions on the Facebook group that I manage, which is called, if you haven't been there, the business of short-term rental and professional management. And I would love you to go and join the conversation there. Uh, And as I say, Bruce is often in there asking questions and it's something he says that he does a lot, you know, This is why he's growing his business so well, because he continually asks questions. So I thought I'll put the shoe on the other foot and I'll ask him the questions. And hopefully his answers are going to help you find some new resources, new ideas for your business as well. So without further ado, let's go on over to my conversation with Bruce Eichelheimer of Banjo Vacations in Asheville, North Carolina. So I'm so happy to have with me today Bruce Eichelheimer of Banjo Vacations. Love, love, love that name. I started getting me thinking about deliverance because I'm of that era. That when you think about <laughs> banjos, of Western North Carolina, <laughs> you think about banjos, you think about deliverance, right? <laughs> but it it came about in a very special way. So thank you very much for joining me, Bruce. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. So I want to hear first of all how you got the name how you got into the vacation rental business. And of course, you've got to tell the story about being a rocket scientist as well. Rocket scientist. So so Banjo Vacations, we bought a, and it's how I got started in this in the first place. We bought a lake house at Lake Lure and we were going to put it in an LLC and we needed to name the LLC something. And so I just pulled together the names of my family. So B is Bruce for Banjo. A-N is for my daughter, Anna. J-O is for my wife, Joe, and E is for my daughter, Erin. So it's not because I don't know how to spell banjo. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, that's, and, and that, that, that is actually perfect. It, that comes together a lot better than many other name collaborations do. <laughs> well, my, my brother, he named his, his company EGAD. He also bought a, a – he, he started an LLC. He named his company EGAD. It's the same thing. His, his family's letters put together, which is, I think, kind of fun. Well, my uh, company is called MOSO, the, the MOSO Partnership, which is – Where does that come from? Mother's son. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but yeah, so so I bought this house down at Lake Lure, and which is a, a very popular vacation lake here. It's actually it's unlike most lakes in this area, which are dam controlled. The Lake Lure is purely for recreation. It was made to be a recreational lake with with houses rented all along the, the shore. And I knew instantly that if I was going to run this, it had to be run like a business. You couldn't just start collecting money and you know hope it worked out. I knew it had to be run like a business, and so so Banjo Realty, which was the name of the company that bought the company, but but bought the house, then became Banjo Vacations to manage the property. My as you said, my career is actually in engineering. I have a, a master's in aerospace engineering and a PhD in mechanical engineering, and I've done lots of big engineering stuff like i've written software i've done worked on all kinds of projects from aircraft space space like uh rocket engines all kinds of stuff but the i got into the vacation rental stuff and i just loved it because unlike a lot of my engineering i've done a lot of uh, environmental engineering where it's it's more about identifying winners and losers and you have to clearly identify winners and losers, and that's all you do. Whereas in the vacation industry, if you do this right, the guests have a great time, and the owners get paid and don't have to worry about it, and everybody wins. And, and I just really enjoy it. And so, I, I, I love that idea, you know, if you do it right, if you do it right. So I want to just go back when you, you started out and you said it had to be run like a business. What does that mean to you? What goes together to make it a business? So it's it's really it's really um, some some just basic features. Uh, you need, I mean, this, it may sound really simple, but you need a bank account, a separate bank account that the money goes into, and then you get a credit card. Well, you you need to form a company, right? You need a tax ID. You need to form a company, which is just paperwork. It doesn't cost a couple hundred bucks. Then you take the tax ID and you can open a bank account. And with a bank account, then you can get a credit card. And now money comes in and out of the bank account that is only for the business. It's not your money. It's just for the business. Now, you can take money out when, when, there's, when there's extra. But something just as simple as that was, is where mm-hmm. I got started. And I think that's really like a lot of people will sort of run a sort of a cottage industry where they're just putting the money straight into their own bank account. And while that's fine like tax wise that's just fine there's nothing wrong with that it's just suddenly your finances and the business finances are all muddy together and you can't really separate them out and it's a mess so yeah when i got into the business in 2003 it had been going for a long time up here in ontario it was you know very established uh, cottage rental uh, industry but the um the standard was that you know when somebody booked with you you took their money then and there, and everybody wanted that money up front because they could, as, as they said, you know, I want, I can then spend it to make my place nice. And and we bucked the trend at the very beginning and said, I mean, I think we probably did that for a few years and bucked the trend and said, no, you don't get paid 
for our owners, you don't get paid until the vacation starts. Unfortunately for us, we now have to be registered with the Travel Industry Council of Ontario, which defines that you must hold the funds until then. When the pandemic hit, like a lot of companies went belly up because because they spent money on vacations that hadn't happened yet, you yeah. know? Yes, so. and uh, that that's because, you know, people weren't running it like a business. They weren't collecting the money at the time that the product was given to the right. consumer. And that's, that's I've I've had, I'm sort of a serial entrepreneur. I've had several consulting companies. I had a little software company. And every time it's the same, it's the same, Mm -hmm. it was the same game. You, you file paperwork, you get a tax ID. I'm assuming it's the same in Canada where you just, you just get a tax ID. Yeah. And then. A business business number it's called. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you take that to the bank. It doesn't, you don't need anything except, except a piece of paper that says I'm starting a business. Really? Yeah. You take that to the bank and you get a bank account and, and then you treat that as its own little thing. Yeah. yeah. I, Definitely I think step that, one. I think that, that, is, a, that is a great uh, a great step one. So where are you now with uh, – so, so you've got more than one property now. Are they – the additional so, properties yours or are they a third party? I, I have two properties of my own that I manage and then I have uh, six others that are now other people's. And I, I was warned that this would happen and, and now it has happened. I have – Seven, I have number eight um, is going to be signing papers here at the end of the month. Nine and ten are probably going to happen at the end of the year. And 11 through 21 will be coming in in the next couple of weeks, which is uh, going to completely, (laughs) it's going to force me to completely rethink how I run things because right now Bruce does everything and that's that's not a supportable, (laughs) it's not a supportable model. Well, yeah, I've been seeing you, you've, you've been posting, you've posted a couple of times in the Facebook group, the business of short-term rental and property management. And, you know, it, it was, it was telling that you are growing through the How post. How do I hire people? <laughs> Where do I get my first person? I'm still struggling with that. It's actually this week I'm focusing on that and writing out policies and procedures that I can hand to somebody and be like, here, do this now. Yeah. Because yeah. in my background... As an engineer, you know, I've highly trained. I was, I was in graduate school for six years. Like, it's a lot of time in school. And wh- when I was done with that, I was the guy, you know? I, like, there's nobody who knew this stuff better than me. I spent all my energy and effort learning. I was the person. And and that, that you know, for the kind of stuff I need, I don't need to be the person anymore. And that's that's a, it's going to take a mind shift for me to do that. Because I think it's more of a mental hurdle than a, than a physical hurdle or a, a hiring hurdle. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm right with you there. You know, it takes me back to 2003, 2004, and I started with my own two properties. And then my sister wanted me to manage hers, and then a friend of hers, and then it all started to snowball. And, and you so get, on and so on. Yeah. yeah, and you get to that tipping point where you think, oh, <laughs> this isn't so much of a hobby anymore. <laughs> you know, maybe a business hobby, but it's now got to be a business business. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think at, at 21 properties, that's I've probably got a full, t- at least a full time employee, <laughs> at least one full time employee, and probably a part time like runner. Mm-hmm. I, when I got started in this, I never thought that I would spend my time driving toilet paper to to <laughs> property, and they're they're mostly in the, the most of my properties are in the are in Buncombe County, which is where I live, but they are end to end, so it can take over an hour to drive from one property across the county to the other property. 
And that's that's time wasted for me. I can listen to podcasts, <laughs> I guess, but <laughs> yes, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Reminds me of um, Andy Medic. I don't know if you're familiar with Andy Medic. He owned um, Sea Change Vacation Rentals in Delaware. Sold that around about the same time as I sold my company earlier this year. But he used to post the photos of a, of a Saturday driving the van piled with linens and piled with kitchen paper and toilet paper right. and all the all the additional things. And, and he, he had sort of 60, 70 properties at that time. So wh- where are you getting your properties from? How, how are you acquiring them? Um, it's through real estate brokers, primarily. I tried all kinds of ways to get properties. I looked at Venturi, which is a, you know, a powerful group that you, <clears throat> but also you, they're expensive. You pay them a lot of money and then they do a whole ad campaign for you and they help you get properties. I couldn't afford that. But Venturi is also nice about explaining exactly what they do. So I'm definitely a, I can do it myself kind of person. I went through the tax records and got a whole mailing list that I filtered, you know, that by size of house and all these other things. And I, I sent out, I still have, I still have them here. I sent out a bunch of postcards with like all these great things that you could do if you hire me. Probably spent six, seven thousand dollars on postcards. I got one lead for a really junky, broken double wide in the next to the highway. Not interesting. So I decided to try something different and I went to all of the real estate brokers' websites in the area. And if you can, if, if they write an email address on a public website, you're allowed to scrape that and use that to send them unsolicited email. That's not considered spam. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, spent a couple afternoons scraping email addresses. I got a list of about a thousand emails and I, I just offered a commission for any property I signed. And I sent out an email about once a month. And every time I sent this email, which cost zero dollars to, to do like a MailChimp campaign, Every email I sent out, I got an action, actionable lead, everyone. And so that's I, I added one property that way, but then my connection with that real estate brokerage tied me into this investor who is going to be adding between 8 and 11 properties, depending on how you count. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, um, that, that ink isn't dry. We haven't, we haven't finalized that, but, but it seems like it's all but settled. And I've had other people, I had somebody else, another broker come to me just yesterday. He's like, hey, I've got this property. Are you interested? And I had to say no. I need to digest and absorb the properties I've already got and, and get everything running smoothly before I can start adding any more. <laughs> okay, so you've already mentioned turning down two. That's the double wide and <laughs> this, this other one. When I started out in the business, I took on everything and everything, you know, anything that any other agency didn't want, I would have because I wanted inventory and realized, you know, as I got into it, that mm, that's probably not the best way of doing it. Uh, do you have a selection process? Do you have some minimum standards that, uh, you know, that um, so, some criteria? Point, I'm exactly like you. Um, I go from, I have a, a beautiful modern place that sleeps 14 that's out in the county a little bit. And then I have a room with a king bed and a bathroom. Like, there's no kitchen. Like, it goes, I, I run the full gamut. But, well, and, and our market here is very disparate. There's all, there's all kinds of properties. Like, there's, there's not, it's not like the coast where there's a bunch of houses that were sort of custom built for this. For us, there's all kinds of different properties. So, I haven't gotten to the point where I can 
I don't feel like I've gotten to the point where I can be specifically selective about mm-hmm. which property I want. I haven't seen one that I don't, other than the double wide, I haven't seen one that I definitely don't <laughs> want. But I mean, we'll see after, once all these properties come online. Fortunately for me, January, February is our is our really quiet period. Almost not, We mm-hmm. get almost no rentals here January, February. We still get some, but not a lot. It'll be a time for me to, to sort of like get my ducks in a row and get ready for the spring summer season. And then next year, we'll see what next year looks like. It doesn't seem like I have trouble adding more properties at this point. If I just say yes, it feels like people will send properties my way. So what sort of competition do you have? Do you have um, other other agencies or is it simply the OTAs that you're... Oh, there's a bunch. There's against. a bunch. There's several large rental companies here in town and uh, several like small mom and pop shops like mine as well. You know, 10, mm-hmm. 15 properties, stuff like that. But I don't, I've never felt like I was in competition. Well, I, I, that, that's not exactly true. When I first started, I set my commission rate at 20% of rent, which is kind of below the market average for us. Or around here, it's usually 25%. And I did that in an interest to sort of like get established and get my first properties in. But I, I quickly realized that I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be the low, I don't want to be the discount option. That's not, that's not where I want to be. So, so I'm, I'm going to move everything back up to 25% of rent. And, and that includes cleaning? Cleaning is, guests pay for cleaning. The cleaning is extra. Okay. And actually, I was charging the owner's supplies, and I just learned of a cagey way to change that so that the owners don't have to pay for supplies anymore. So I'm going to add a little... Um, just a little bit to the rent mm-hmm. with my with my property management software. It can be folded in, and the guests will never see it. But you know, you add five, six bucks per stay to pay for toilet paper and paper towel and soap and all that kinds of stuff, and then and then that goes away, and then the owners never have to deal with that again. So yeah, I like uh, yeah that 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 is a great approach because you know once it's, once there's you know, more and more line items. Yeah, that's when oh. I think they start to look for an alternative. And, and also for me, then I have to, I have to, I have to track every receipt that comes in, and and that's just mm-hmm. it's just crazy making. So I've, I'm actually renting a little storage space from from one of my owners. Actually, he has a he has an upstairs apartment that has a pretty unused downstairs kind of junky garage area, and uh, I'm just going to buy I'm going to buy toilet paper by in bulk. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just put it in the car and drive it to the property or get or tell the cleaners to go and get it out of the storage unit and take it to the properties. And then I don't have to deal with that anymore. What do you do about laundry? The cleaners are dealing with that. Um, depending on the property, some of the properties, they can turn it in the time it takes them to do the, the house it, with, the, with the laundry machines there. If they can't, then they take it with them and, and do it off-site. Uh, yeah. And that is included in the cleaning fee that the guests pay. Yeah. So, okay. Um, let's, let's... I was going to say, I'm trying to streamline and, and, and have as little to do as possible. Like, there's so many little nitty-bitty things that end up having to happen. I'm trying to set things up so that as much happens automatically without me having to touch it as possible. Well, that, that sounds like you're using some tech. So, you know, when you said you were getting up to 21 properties, you need to hire somebody. It always makes me think of uh, Steve Milo, who was still managing all by himself at 25 properties. And that... and. But you know his fur, his company has always been tech enabled, and that's what you know. You look at V Trips now, a far cry from from where he was when he started out with his own property and then grew to twenty five. Yeah. And look at where he is now. But he talks about tech being the absolute foundation, 
and running with the right tech. So yeah, you can it, it should run on Rails. So what te- what sort of tech are you using at the moment? The the centerpiece for my for you know the tech stack as they say is uh, is my property management software, and I use Owner Res uh, for that, which is really it's amazingly powerful for a really small company. Like if you just one or two properties, it does fantastic. I'm probably going to be at the limit when I'm at twenty something properties of what it's mm-hmm. really smooth at. But it handles so much for me. It does. It handles all communication, including the rental agreement. People just click sign the rental agreement. People like that. It schedules payments. It sends out all my emails. It sends messages to the cleaners. It does. It does pretty much everything I need for that. I used Breezeway for a little while, but Onerous doesn't actually fully integrate with Breezeway, and I just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And I just like Friday, I signed up with Resort Cleaning, which does interact with Bree- with uh, with Onerous, and I'm still trying to to figure that out. The problem with the cleaning integrations is that your your cleaner needs to be down with using that software as well. For me, I've got multiple cleaning companies that I use for different properties, and so that like managing mm-hmm. that is not easy because one one uses something different, and and this other one uses resort cleaning, and I. We'll see about that. Yeah, I mean, years ago when Properly came on the scene, we explored that, but it, it, it relied on our cleaners having phones. <laughs> and downloading the app and using it, yeah. That's right. And I, I tried that too, and I had the same problem. The cleaners wouldn't wouldn't use the app. So I, yeah. just, I just didn't – it wasn't – I. that's one thing that I wish I had more of was confirmation that things are done. Mm-hmm. One of my properties, or a couple of my properties, the door lock will notify me when the cleaners go in. So, hey, the cleaners showed up. I know the, pl- the place is getting clean. But that's not true for all the pro- for all my properties. Mm-hmm. Not all my properties have, have fully integrated um, door locks. That's something I'm definitely going to move forward with and, and add to so that all of my properties are connected. That's so useful to, to just be able to, to track how the lock is going. It seems like a small thing, but knowing that the cleaners went into the property is super handy. Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. And, and having that on a dashboard so that you know that you know, this one is, is, is in progress and they've finished in this one. And yeah, we, we, we'd, never got, we'd never got to that. Main, I, you know, be, I, because I don't know if our, I'm going to get there, but <laughs> yeah, every little piece. Because, I mean, it's definitely happened where... Like, I'm looking at my watch, it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the guests are showing up at 4, and I know that that door hasn't opened. Mm-hmm. And I contact the cleaner, like, what's going on? And normally they did it the day before, and I wasn't paying attention, you know. But And I've still, like, I'm, I've, I've, st- I've, had mis- I've had miscommunication, with, everybody has, miscommunication with the cleaner. It happened, I don't know, a couple months ago. 9 o'clock at night, my wife and I jump up, drive over to the, you know, bat- grab a bunch of linens, drive over to the property, like... Clean it up as quick as we could. Turn around and left. Yeah, I think I, I think I we've all been happens. there. We've all been there. I hate when that happens. <laughs> it's avoidable, and, think, and it and it still happens. Yeah, I think we hear so much about all these, you know, all singing, all swinging tech systems that's going to make everything so streamlined for you, but forget. I think many people do forget that we're not all in that same no. <laughs> same situation with the same cleaning company going in, or you employ the cleaners. It's this screw, is this is interesting to talk. You can talk. screw it up. 
Yeah. I was in Ireland. I was in Ireland. This is several, a couple summers ago. I was in Ireland, and we were about to go to bed, and I suddenly remembered myself. I suddenly remembered that I hadn't told the cleaners about a booking that was coming. Like, like the, the booking had come in while I was packing to go to Ireland, and I hadn't... I was like, yeah, yeah, good. And I hadn't told the, the cleaners this last-minute booking had come in, and I went to Ireland... And all jet lagged in the middle of the night. I was like, "Oh my, there's guests coming in!" And I had a friend who actually like ran over and took care of it for me. But whew, mm -mm. Yeah, no. we've as, as I say, we've all been there at some point or another. I, uh, I think one <laughs> one thing that that is that having screw up like screw ups like that has taught me though is that like when I first got started, I was terrified of anything other than a five star review. I just wanted nothing but five <laughs> stars. Everything had to be perfect every time, and I still want that to be the case, but. Now with a little a little perspective, I realize that if you like if it happens and you screw the pooch for one person's vacation and they crucify you on the reviews, it's not that big of a deal because you still have a long list of five star reviews and people you know talking about what a great job you did. So you kind of learn that it becomes a numbers game at some point. Like you you should go for gold every time, but if you miss, it's yeah. It's not, we, we've not we've the end of the world. we've had we've had guests say to us, you know. Are, do you publish all your reviews on a particular property because they are all five star? And so, you know, having all five star reviews does have a little bit of almost a negative connotation mm. because they Some don't believe that you're publishing less than five star feedback. Um, well, it's, it's so, fine too because then I, I got one property, we got a one star review. I don't remember what it was. But but there's a string of five star reviews and then a one star review. Like nobody's going to take that seriously, you know. <laughs> like that person's just disgruntled. <laughs> yes, yeah, and and there there always be those. And yeah, it, the sad thing is though with Airbnb is that uh, that that those low reviews do have such an impact on the overall score, which is you know a little bit of a sad state really. So uh, I mean, talking Airbnb, what marketing platforms are you using? So I do have my own website, which uh, needs updating. I actually have a property that I haven't had a chance to update. Uh, I was doing my own web development for a while. That has to stop because I just don't have time for that anymore. So I'm actually shopping around for a web developer. But it's it's primarily well, it, it's primarily Airbnb and and Verbo. I definitely want to be stronger with direct bookings, but there's there's only so much time in the day, and mm -hmm. and I just don't. I have the general idea about how to improve my website score and, and how to do better with social media. I know how to do those things. I just don't have time. So I make a strong effort to market to all my former guests. I send them, I stay in contact with them, I send out newsletters periodically, not as often as I should. But yeah, it's, it's property specific, which OTA works better, which I find interesting. Like my little one, the little one bedroom that doesn't have a kitchen. <laughs> It does great on Verbo. It seems like a it seems like more of a of a Airbnb thing to me, but it does great on Verbo. I tried Booking.com for a while, and I found that it was more trouble than it was worth. They, they just weren't really working for me. There was the communication was difficult, and I've actually found the guests were tend to be more persnickety. Yeah, I think Booking.com still, you know, d despite they're pushing into North America, it still seemed very much as a as a European. Yeah. Um, and maybe Asian platform. I know certainly hasn't hit our part of Canada. And and there are all kinds of, and this is I mean this is something for your listeners to be aware of. There's there is all kinds of I don't want to call them scams because it's not actually a scam, but there's all kinds of people out there who have websites that they say will 
you know, they'll market your property, pay us $150 a year and we'll put you, you know, you'll be in all these places. And, and I've, I did that once, I think, and, and I paid 150 bucks and yeah, they, they have a website has some kind of traction, but I got no bookings from that at all. It's, it's, it's more about them developing a website than them actually trying to sell mm-hmm. you property. Yeah, I think it really, really depends where you are. There's certain areas where, where listing sites are still popular. I mean, certain, right. you know, up, up, up here, we have a listing site called Cottages in Canada. It's been going for nearly 30 oh, years wow. now. And it, is, it, it was bringing us about 70% of our traffic. Wow. Just this one listing site. So, I mean, we'd been booked direct for, for years and, and it's still going strong. It's still going strong. But it, it really does depend where you are and where, where your demographic, where your people come from. So, so on that, where, where does your traffic come from? Is it, is it local or is it, it, it we, we are a technically a, a drive destination. Um, Charlotte, North Carolina and Atlanta, Georgia are, are some of the biggest metropolitan areas to come out this way. In the last couple of years, the city has or the county has completely redone our airport. So we had a really small, when I, when I first moved here to town, the baggage claim was a garage door that they opened up and there was just a metal slide and they just threw the bags down the slide. <laughs> They've redone the airport and they put in a whole new runway actually to support larger aircraft. And Asheville has more and more become a fly to destination. So we get people from all over the country coming now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a double flight from anywhere to get here pretty much there's a couple direct flights but primarily you're flying through atlanta or charlotte uh to come here yeah. but, but we get people from all over now that's terrific so so how was it for you during covid I, I mentioned that we bought this lake house and when it first hit like you know we couldn't rent everything was shut down it was awesome because <laughs> we could just go <laughs> to the lake house we could get leave this house and drive down to the lake house and the girls my my, my girls were home from school because covid and uh, they would you know they would they, there's internet down there they'd go to class and i mean i'm i say it was awesome it, it was it was horrible i mean it was horrible for everybody but we we had a we had a great refuge and then out of the you know I think like a lot of people unexpectedly out of the as soon as people were allowed to travel again our especially our the cottage and and houses that were separated like blew up. In fact, yeah, it, I think it's a challenge conv- telling my owners now, like especially you know with gas prices up and, and inflation, all these other things. It's hard to explain to my owners, like yeah, but all that money you made over COVID—that's not normal. That's not you know. <laughs> Uh, I, I think I think you're echoing what every property manager is having to tell their owners. Yeah, remember this, how stuck you made all that money? Yeah, it's not going to yeah. be like that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Forget you know. Let, let's just go back to 2019, and it's now 2022, and right. just miss out those those two outlier years. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and for us was... also, like late August is is a is a is a little lull. Second half of August, we have this dip where nobody travels here because schools are starting up and people are done with summer vacation. And they did, we just we just every year we have this little dip. And so I had several owners like eh, we don't have any bookings. It's like, yep, <laughs> that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and I and I think for, for those owners that uh, that that bought in let's say 2020 in the early part of 2021 and then reaped the benefits of you know wow this is amazing how much we can make and now it's yeah it's uh, for for some I know it really is coming back to bite them because yeah the, I mean if you're if the mortgage, mortgage rates rising yeah you got a big nut you have to pay every month and the and the and the bookings are just sort of you know petering in like you know like normal yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, uh, so let's let anybody freak out too bad. So <laughs> let's go back to staffing because that's always, I think, a big issue for anybody that's getting to to the point where you are. Is you've got to hire your first person. What do? You, what are they going to do? Because really, you're doing absolutely everything, and you've got to filter out what it is you love to do against what it is you have to do. Right, and then. Fill the, fill the gap. What what are you actually looking for now and why? It, it's a fascinating question because it's been hard for me to figure out what I do. I mean, that may, may sound silly, but I do so many things. It's like, is, is it is it all the same job? And the, I've figured out the answer is it's not all the same job. So one of the things it, – it's one of the things I really enjoy and causes me stress is guest communication. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy – communicating with the guests. I love I love to hear about their vacation and all that kinds of thing. But at the same time, that kind of communication needs to be instant and it needs to be personal every time. Mm-hmm. And that means at 10 o'clock at night, somebody is like, oh, we're so excited to go on our vacation. And then I feel like I have to be like, oh, we're so excited for you to come. <laughs> Th- that's something I want to offload off t- onto somebody. And the thing about that is that if you could go because of all my automation, I have guests come, pay, and leave, and I never actually have direct communication with them. And I get comments about all my great communication, which is, I think, hilarious. But that's that's the power of automation. So I could go several days without any communication needing to be had, and then you get a string of it all at once. So mm-hmm. that's a hard position to staff for. A friend of mine recently suggested what he does is he has a fixed amount of money per property per month that he pays somebody. It's not an hourly thing. It's it's amount of dollars per property per month to handle communications. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a great plan to me. I'm actually working up an, an Indeed uh, job description that's going to be just like that. So with guest communication taken off, that will that – will, one of the things that does is it shatters my train of thought because I'm working on something and then, uh, you know – the internet mm-hmm. has gone out. What do I do? And, you know, all you say is, like, turn it off and turn it back on, but I have to be the one who sends that message out. Somebody else can do that just fine. And then there's going to be, like, a runner position, like light maintenance handyman runner position. Mm-hmm. You know, go go pick up a new shower curtain and bring it to this property. You know, go replace the air filters on this property. Like, random little nibbly tasks like that that – Make me get up, leave my desk, get in the car, go do that, you know, shatter my train of thought again, and then come back. For me, those are at this point going to be two part-time positions, but if I can fill those two positions, that'll be great. I, so, so your handyman needs to be sort of on, on site and, and around. What about your, you know, your reservationist or your communications person? Yeah, that could uh, be you're looking for somebody to mm-hmm. That could be remote. I would like someone – my, my dream is to have somebody to grow in that position and and help expand guest communication like beyond what I can do. I find myself reluctant to, to get too involved with any one guest asking them too many questions because mm-hmm. – and, and I, it's – it's not because I don't want to. I just don't have the time. Like somebody says, oh, we're thinking about you know going on a hike to this location. Do you have any recommendations? And I, I have a couple that I've pre-canned that I can send out quickly, but it would be better if someone could have some back and forth and, and you know have a more, more open relationship with, through that process. And I just don't really have the time for that. So mm-hmm. someone who could grow in that position would be great. And having someone local who could do that would be great. Our job market here is terrible so i don't know if that's really a a viable option we'll see 
We'll see. Yeah, it was interesting because you, you you made that post on the Facebook group and and a couple of pe- people came back with you know, remote working companies that are specific to this I'm, this. I'm market. talking to one this afternoon. <laughs> like after we get off this call, I'm, I've got a, a a a remote staffing company that I'm going to talk to just to mm-hmm. see what they have to offer. And and there's actually a local like handyman group that I'm actually already kind of consulting with. And I, I want to have a conversation with them about expanding that, you know, having them do like, you know, monthly or bi-monthly walkthroughs, all the properties, make sure all the filters are, you know, just taking care of a lot of little, little things that mm-hmm. he's doing that I just don't have time for, but that costs yeah. money. Do I pay that myself? Do I charge the owners? I, you know, these are, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still, still figuring that out. Well, that's why you're out in the Facebook groups asking those questions. That's why I ask questions. <laughs> I've been accused well, of asking a lot of questions before. Well, well, that's where that's where these groups come in so so useful. Oh, you know, when 100%. I started, there was nothing that you know you you just hope for the best. I certainly, didn't ask any uh, competitors because they were they wouldn't give away what they called their secrets. And I remember I remember talking to a property manager when I kicked off and and said. You know, I'm looking looking for a for a mentor, which is perhaps not the best idea. Going to a competitor and saying, "Would you be my mentor as I compete against you?" But I had a couple of questions, and she said, "Are you kidding me? Am I? Why would I share my secrets oh, with you?" And it, it's so interesting when you look at how open people are now, and how incredibly encouraging and sharing. They are. So that's just one, you know, just another question I wanted to ask you before we finish up is, is about networking and about what you find is the most valuable source of networking mm. for you. Because I know you're in Matt's inner circle mm-hmm. and you've got a, a great deal out of, of VRMB. Is there any, any other networking, maybe local networking that you do that you find valuable? Yeah, there, there's a, a friend of mine is a, a, one of the local property managers. He's got 150 properties. I'd love to pick his brain. He's got some great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I ask everybody questions. Anybody who's in the industry, when, when I get around him, I just start, you know, pinging questions at him. And, and one of the things that's so fascinating, I think, about this industry is, is how varied and different the answers are. Like, mm-hmm. there's 17 different ways to do any one thing. And there's 17 people doing it 17 different ways, you know? So, like, big companies doing things like a small company, small companies doing things like a big company. Like, there's there's just – there's a huge the, – the trick is is wading through all of the various options to find one that you think is going to work for you, I think. There's not a lack of information. It's almost too much information. How many podcasts yeah, a- do you have? No, I'm serious. <laughs> They're fantastic, but every one of them has got a great piece of advice, you know? Yep. Yep. You, can't, you can't do them all. <laughs> That's exactly right. It really needs to be uh, filtered down into, you know, okay, you do, you should do this, 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 and this, and yeah, that, don't veer a, away from it's, it's different for that. everybody, though, right? It's different for everybody because yeah. this and this work for them, and this, this, and this work for them, and it's you know, it's 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 like the wild west. Everything everything works if you if you if you do it right. So yeah. Yeah, well, you hit the nail work. on the head with it being the Wild West, and we used to call it that, you know, ten or twelve years ago. We we talked about the Wild West of vacation rentals, and it really hasn't altered it's, it's crazy. that much. So um, you know, I've been looking at some. St- and... Yeah, I've been looking at some statistics recently. You know, about how many small property managers and hosts there are compared to 
those that are with the Vacasas of this world. And interestingly, I looked at a stat this morning that said Vacasa still only has 1% <laughs> of the market share. Which is really encouraging. You know, it means, it means, no, I, no, it is. It means that small fry like me are, are totally viable, you know, and it is. I mean, apparently yeah. it's, the business is working, so. Well, it is, yes. And I, and I think, you know, when I remember going to a home away conference back in, I think, 2012, 2013, and they were talking about, you know, only 36% of the population knew what a vacation rental was. And I think, you know, if you'd have to be living under a rock not to know that uh, well, COVID that was good this for that. exists now. <laughs> COVID was good for that. No, it really was. It, it, I, I read a statistic. I read another statistic. Something like fifty percent of people who stayed at a at a vacation rental over COVID it was their first time. So, like fifty yeah. percent of the people who were doing it, it was the first time they'd ever done it. I mean, that's a huge that's a huge number. And, and it's well, not, you know, it's if not going to change. Yeah, if there was one benefit coming out of that, it's that people didn't want to go and stay in multi-use environments like hotels and resorts. You know, they they could go to a vacation rental and and maintain their social distancing mm-hmm. with their family and just stay in one place. And they could go out if they wanted to, but they did not have to mingle if right. they did not want to. So yes, I think you know it, it it had it had a lot of benefits which which are, are going to go further on. Bruce, if you were advising somebody who is coming into the business who's listening to this and has perhaps got their own property what are the most three most important pieces of advice would you give them three pieces of advice the first piece of advice i think we already touched on is if you're gonna run a gonna rent a property you got to treat it like a business that might be uncomfortable for some people but you're going to need some accounting practices involved and you're going to need a bank account you're going to need insurance like the basic parts of a business Second of all, it, and this is, this is maybe my watchword, ask questions. Like go on Facebook group, join a local group, go to conferences, just ask questions. Which is going to bring me to my third point, which is also that you have to filter. You've got to filter down. Because like I was saying, like I should be more on social media and I should definitely be more on direct booking. And I need to improve my website and I need to hire some. I mean, the number of things that I should be doing is amazing. It's so big. I think when you're just getting started out, the most important thing is to focus on the basics, like get your guest communication down smooth, make sure you've got cleaners that are coming in and taking care of the property and make sure the cleaners are taken care of because they are the most important people and make sure that the guests who come and stay have a great time and that the property is maintained. If you, if you start just by focusing on the very basics with a business setup, then as you get a little more breathing room, you can start to work in all of the incredible options there are out there for, for doing all kinds of stuff. Like get on, get on Instagram, you know, start making, mm-hmm. you know, more, more social media. There's all kinds of ways. There's so many things you could be doing. It's important to start off focusing on the most important things and then, and then expand from there. That's, that's my, I think that's great my advice. <laughs> That is that is great advice. Well, I will look forward to uh, you know to catching up with you maybe in a year's time or so, and seeing how much the business has grown, um, to see who you've hired. Yeah. And oh, and something I I totally forgotten to mention that uh, your website has an about us page, and I I wrote about that on the on the, on the group because everybody needs to have 
an about us page that has some sort of personality to it, not I, just hey, I, we're we're I a property management company. I credit you and one of your <laughs> one of your podcasts about about they're like do not forget the about us page. Like I absolutely remember listening to that and making sure that that was a reality. So you you get full credit for that one. Oh well, thank you for that. Well, yes, it uh, and and I, and I hope that pays off for you because it certainly would for me if I was if I was looking for somewhere to book. And, and it was interesting seeing the responses come through on that post. And somebody said, yes, you know, 150,000 <laughs> percent. You've got to have an about us page that says who you are and why you're passionate about about the business. So, yeah, kudos to you. It is a, it is a really, really good one and uh, a really nice picture, too. So that's at our lake house. So, <laughs> yeah, that looks pretty beautiful, too. So. Thank you so much, Bruce, for joining me. Um, Thank you. You know, you you popped up so many times on the group, and I thought I've got to talk to you. And then, <laughs> oh, Matt, Matt's got there before me. Uh, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> and yeah, so as I said in the introduction, I, you know, I've probably taken a slightly different slant on it and gone very practically into how your business is running, rather than. I'm sure Matt went through more of the philosophy of limited edition, etc. So I was saying to to our, our listeners today, you know, listen to this one, listen to Matt's unlocked edition as well, and and you're going to get a good viewpoint of Banjo and Bruce Eichelheimer. So thank you so much for being with me. Well, thank you so much. It's been fun. Well, thank you so much, Bruce. That was a great conversation. I got a lot out of that. And I'm sure that those of you who are in the business of property management or thinking about starting up uh, a property management company will have some really good takeaways from that. I was doing some research the other day for the course that Jodie Bourne and I put together for, um, for startup property managers. And I was I just idly looking to see how many property managers there actually are spread about the US. And I, you know, I came across Hostfully. We're working with Hostfully at the moment for, for our upcoming sponsorship. And I've been exploring their site and the, uh, the annual report that Hostfully do on the short-term rental business. And their figure is estimated at 33,000 property managers in the US in 2021 just a huge amount. And that has risen significantly from previous years. So every year, the amount of property managers is going up, which means for those who say that the consolidators are taking over and there won't be any room for professional property managers in the future, I would say, look at that number. It's not going down. More and more people are seeing the business of property management as something that they can get into, they can be passionate about, and they can grow a really, really good business. And, you know, after talking to both Christy Wolf and Kelly Cronin recently about the properties that they manage or, or that they have bought and have managed in different parts of the country that you'd never think about 10 years ago. Nobody would have really thought about renting out a, a hobbit farm in Idaho or a dome in Alaska, which is what um, Kelly Cronin has alongside her property in Puerto Rico 
and in Utah. But these places are becoming more and more desirable to guests. So really, wherever you are, it really does not matter where you are. You can find a market. And if you start to find a market in a place where there are no other rentals and no other companies, you are really onto a good thing. So just putting that out there for those of you really thinking about starting up a a company, please get in touch with us. We're about to launch the beta program for our Vacation Rental Formula Business School, and it will be launched at the end of September. And we'd love you to join us. So if you're interested, just send uh, a message to high five, H-I-F-I-V-E at vacationrentalformula.com and, uh, and we'll send you some details on joining us in this beta program. Uh, we need people to join us to test out what Jody and I are creating and to give us your feedback. And of course, you know, if you do join that program, you're going to get a really, really special deal. So that's it for another week. I'm heading out into this glorious sunshine and I'll be with you again next time. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.